0: Turn on your microphone. All right, well, good evening. We're going to jump into God's Word tonight. We're going to be in James again, so you can turn to James chapter 1. We'll have it up there. As one of my favorite preacher says, the Sky Bible. We'll have it up there on the screen for you as well. But James chapter 1. Taking a moment tonight to... Share something with you that I just felt like God has just put on my heart for this week. It's a little bit different than where I was planning on going, so. uh, But I'm super excited about this word tonight. Over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about your purpose. That each and every purpose, each and every person—not porpoise—each and every person has a purpose. And each, maybe porpoises have purposes as well. Who knows, right? But every person has a purpose a divinely unique purpose. You are here on this planet. God has you here in this moment and this timeline right now in eternity because there's something that he wants you to do that only you can do. There's something that the church needs that only you can give to the church. There's something the world needs that only you can give to the world. You have a divinely unique purpose and we need to discover what that purpose is and live for that purpose. One of my favorite things in the world is to watch people discover what they're on this planet for. Like I, I absolutely love it. Like I I love the show, The Voice, and one of the reasons I love that show is is that people come on and they're just like, yeah, I sing in the shower, and then all of a sudden they're like one of the top three contenders, right? You know, and they're just like, I was made for this, you know, and like they start sharing the stories and they see all the things that happen in their lives, and I'm just like a blathering mess, right? I'm on the couch and I'm crying. And I'm like, yay, go you, you know, and, and and then those people that are like, you know, they, they tried out last year and nobody turned their chairs and then They come back the next year, and all four people turn their chairs. I'm telling, instant tears, waterworks right there. You know, in that moment, or you know, just talking to different people. Now being in ministry for as long as I have, and and almost a decade and a half of ministry now. Sick, how old I'm getting, but you know, just as you go through and you talk about Jesus, and you see people discover Jesus as they step into that life of Christ they find purpose and they find life and you see people's lives radically changed. I'm telling you, it, nothing excites me more than seeing people discover their God-given divine purpose on this planet. I absolutely love watching that. I'm so passionate about it and excited about it that I'm driven, like that's the thing that I wanna do. That's the reason that I come to church. It's the reason I'm here. It's not just so that we can go through and just be like, hey, we came to church, We got the sticker, you know, we we got the stamp, we got the gold star, God's happy with me because I heard a little bit of message. Maybe it was a really good week and you took some communion and, you know, everything's good and life's just a little bit better for you. Man, the message of Jesus Christ is not about being a little bit better. It's not about finding the right steps to happiness or the right steps to success or prosperity. The message of Jesus is that of life and purpose. The message of Jesus is is that he loves you, he knows you, he has a purpose for you, and he gave his life and conquered death, sin, and the grave so that you could live that purpose out in him. That's what we come to church for. That's what I'm here for. That's what I walk into these doors in those moments where I'm just like, man, I don't know if I want to be here tonight. I don't know if it has what it takes. It's okay. Sometimes the pastor feels that way too, right? But when I walk into the door and I pull in the parking lot, I'm like, you know what? Tonight is a night that God is going to do something. Tonight is a night that something divine is going to happen. Tonight is the night that somebody's going to step into their eternal destiny. They're going to discover the hope of Jesus. Tonight is the night that somebody's going to be restored. Tonight is the night. That's the moment that I step into. When I'm walking into a coffee shop and I'm sitting down with a person in the church or I'm sitting down with a person in the community and they're like, this God thing. And we start having a conversation and we start talking about Jesus and I see their eyes begin to light up and they find hope in Jesus and they begin to see, I can do this thing. God wants to do something in me and he wants to do something through me. That's what this thing's about. That's what I'm driven to do. And as much as it excites me, And as much as it works me up, it's the very thing that frustrates the mess out of me. Because so often, so often as followers of Christ, we settle. The church is supposed to be the beacon of hope. The church is supposed to be the change agent in the world. The church is supposed to be the place that people look to and they say there's something different. That's what love looks like. That's what purpose looks like. They're supposed to look to the church and see those things. But too often times, we've settled for the okay. We've settled for the good step sermons. We've settled for the process of living an okay life. God doesn't want you to live an okay life. He came and died and gave of himself that you could have an abundant life, a life full of purpose and a life full of joy. And so many times we step into a place where we don't allow that purpose and that that reality to become something that is real in our lives because the process is difficult. It's a difficult process. We find ourselves sometimes in the worst of pain. We find ourselves... In moments where we just kind of say, I don't know what's going on. Like, God, do you even care? Do you even see what's going on? And I'm just telling you, in that moment of adversity, that could be your greatest opportunity. That could be your greatest purpose. It could be the place where God wants to show you what you can be doing on this planet. How you can be loving people. How you, like no one else, can show strength and God's grace in that moment. And I want us as the church, I want the followers of Jesus to get to a place where we say, I know what it is that God's called me to do, and I can't do anything else. I can't do anything else. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe you know your purpose. Maybe it's just something else, right? Like, you had Mexican and, okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? But, you know, so, like, you know, there's that moment where you're just like, I have to do this. Like, I'm committed. There's nothing else. I want you to live your life that way. I want you to know the truth of who Jesus is, and I want your souls to be set on fire. I want my soul to be set on fire so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm not just going to be living an okay day, just a normal day, letting things go by, but I'm going to be stepping into that day saying, God has something that he wants to do today. There's an eternal purpose that he wants to be realized today. There's an eternal destiny that he has for me today and I want that to be realized. I want it to be seen. Today, I want to live my life for God. Today, I want to give my everything for him because this is what he's made me to do. This is what he's called me to do. Jesus, in John chapter 12, he says this, in John chapter 12, verse 27, he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. He's getting ready to He's talking to his disciples and he's getting ready to give himself up and go to the cross and he's facing all of this and he says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this, hear this, but this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Do you have that marked in your life? Do you have a situation, a reality, a purpose so concrete in your hearts, so clear, so known, that no matter what's taking place, you can say, this is the very reason he has me here. Do you have that? If you don't, I'm going to talk a little bit tonight, how we can move closer to discovering that. But as we read Psalm 63 and as we spent time in that worship and we say, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm desperate for you. God, I want only you. Like tonight, I want to move us all into a place where that is our hearts, where we can get to a place where we can see what it is that God wants to do in us and through us. That we get to a place with such confidence and such assurance that no matter what's taking place, we can say this is the reason that he has me here. Anybody excited for that? Anybody want to get to that place in your life? James chapter one. James chapter one. Starting in verse twelve. See, I, I want us all to be there, and I want myself to be there. And, and so many times it doesn't happen. So many times it just, I'm like, man, I, I, this is what God's wanted me to do. This is what I'm started out to do, and we commit to it, right? And then all of a sudden things just you're just like, whoa. What in the world? How did I get here? So tonight what I want to talk about is is how we stay focused, how we stay geared just towards the things that God wants to do, how God can speak to us and reveal to us purpose, but yet we can keep our hearts in line with his purposes. So in James chapter 1, verse 12, we're going to start looking at how we can get out of his way. Verse 12, it says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The New Living Translation takes this Greek word and separates it out. It really has three kind of actual meanings, but all meaning the same things, trials, temptations, those different types of things, self-inflicted trials, self-inflicted temptations, trials that are brought to us by God. So it's a sense of trials and temptations, that testing and tempting. And so what I want us to do tonight is we're going to spend a little bit more time looking at that word temptation, but tonight I want to encourage you in this. That when you see that word there, patiently endure testing. Go to verse 17, Zach. The next verse, the next slide. Verse 17, it says this. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Listen, God is for you. You can trust Him. You can believe in Him. You can look to Him. You can count on Him. When you are in a moment of testing, maybe it's a place that you need to be so that you can be a little bit stronger and a little bit better. But never doubt God's faithfulness. Never doubt His goodness. He is good. Everything that is good and right and holy and pure, it comes from God above. Never doubt that. Never give up on that. Never question that. God is faithful. You with me on that? Let's pray real quick before we go any further. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, as we jump into your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit be the one that speaks to us. Father, we pray for clarity of your message. God, may it connect to us right where we are. And may your Holy Spirit convict us and bring us deeper into your purposes and plans. May we see Jesus greater. May he be elevated in our hearts and our minds. And as he is, may your Holy Spirit work and have his way in our lives. Father, we thank you for the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, we thank you that in hope, even in the worst of situations, we can trust you and believe in you. Even last night as my Dolphins got destroyed by the Cowboys, I have hope because that very well could have been our worst game of the season, and it could have been the Cowboys' best game of their season. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Football has started. That's what I get for praying against your Cowboys right there. Football started. We're excited about it, and my Dolphins got destroyed last night, so we're going to move on. So listen, so it talks about testing and temptation. The temptation, this is something that we need to look at in this reality that what happens is oftentimes there are things that God's wanting to do in our lives. There's things that God is doing in our lives, but we get in the way and we mess things up. In verse 13, it says this, starting in verse 13 and 14. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from where? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Verse 14 then says this. Think verse, yeah, no, 15, sorry. Go on, Zach, 15, sorry. Going to go next to verse 15, it says this. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, the reality is in our lives is is that oftentimes what happens is, is we get in the way of the process of what God is wanting to do. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, it says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then get angry at the Lord. See, what happens a lot of times as we're going through life and we're saying, man, I want God to do this in my life and I want to do the things that God has for me. I want to be a part of this church. I want to see God's goodness in my workplace. I want this marriage to be centered around God. All of a sudden, things begin to go a little bit wrong and we don't know how to handle what's happening and we don't know where to look and figure out what we should fix. And what happens is, is in those moments things begin to not just sit where they are, but they begin to grow. And until we understand what it is that's taking place, that's distracting us, what it is that's causing us to get in the way of what God's wanting to do, what we want God to do, then we're never going to be able to step out of the way and see God's faithfulness and see his truth and his promises come true in our lives. So many of us We get into a place where, just man, everything just keeps happening. Every time I go to a new place, a new job, or I get new friends, it seems like the same tension, the same animosity is there everywhere I go. There's something going on in your life, right? There's a situation that is going on in your life that it's not bringing life to your situation. It's not bringing purpose into your relationships, but it's bringing death. And you've got to figure out what that is. Maybe there's a situation in your life where you say, I just feel like I'm always struggling with this one thing. I feel like it's just always there. It's nagging me and it never goes away and it's just present. There's a reason that it is there. There's a reason that it's not going away. There's a reason that it's staying there, present in your lives. And what we got to do is, is figure out why. Verse 16, I believe, gives us an awesome clue. Verse 16, it says this, so don't be misled. Don't be misled. How are you misled? You're misled when you hear and believe a false truth. Right? You're misled when you hear and believe something that is not true. When you hear something that maybe it's good and maybe in general it's true but it's not true for you. And it's not true in your life. Maybe it's just something that's out there. It's just a reality and then you hold on to that and you try to make that your source. You try to make that your purpose. You try to make that the reason you do what you do and that's not what it was meant for and all of a sudden things begin to break down. The other day we were driving in our car and. We were coming back home, and um, we actually had a a day out. We went to the beach last weekend, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, we were having a blast out there on the beach. The lifeguards kicked us off, um, which was a little bit of a bummer, so we walked around, got ice cream, and had fun, and then they just wouldn't let us back on because of a storm in Norfolk, and so we are just like, whatever, and they're like, hey, but there's a section where you can go and, like, swim at your own risk, and we're like, sweet, risk. Let's do it, right? And so we went and we were out there swimming and the basically nobody's on the beach and it was a ton of fun. So we were doing that and then we were coming back and we were just talking about the kid. We were talking to the kids about the week because it got cut a little bit short and everything didn't go right and and so um, exactly the way they wanted it to, you know. And so they're kind of like, oh man, we should go do this or when can we go to the beach again? And blah, 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 you know how kids get, you know what I'm saying? They're just so excited and they're just a little bit disappointed. So they've got to do something to make it right, you know. And so I was just like, hey, maybe you know, um, maybe sometime. Oh, I actually didn't say maybe sometime. I started talking and I was like, hey, you know, I was like, we haven't been to water country in a while, so maybe, And I just kind of let it, and Michelle just squeezes my leg, and she goes, thank you. Because here's what I was getting ready to say. Maybe tomorrow, mom could take you to water country. (laughs) But as I got ready to say it, I was like, "Mm -hmm." Because the moment I let those words come out of my mouth, guess what? It is reality. It is reality. Those little boogers have a memory like nobody else, right? You said, that's like the number one thing said in our house, you said, you know? And I'm just like, right, great. You can remember every single word I said two weeks ago, but you can't remember to get your shoes upstairs. That's awesome, right? But they're like, so I knew the moment that I said those words, the moment that I put those out there, that she would now be obligated and have that as a part of her day. And she's going to have to work through that. And that would be something that the kids, even though I said maybe, emphasis on maybe, right? That word, woohoo, gone, right? What they heard is mom's taking us to water country tomorrow. That now becomes their truth, and now becomes the reality, and now Michelle has to come in, and she has to say, no, we're not going to water country, or we're going to go to water country later, or we're going to go to water country on Thursday, and their worlds are destroyed. The moment you speak, your words give birth to an idea. When that idea becomes a seed in your soul, and it's not based on God's word, and it doesn't exalt the gospel in your lives, it becomes the thing that distracts you from what God is wanting to do. It could be something that is good, it could be something that is fine, but there's a partial truth that you've now held on to as an absolute truth. And when you hold on to that as an absolute truth, and it's anything other than Jesus, you begin to get misled. You begin to wander. You begin to find yourself in a different place. Proverbs, it says this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. I don't lose sight of them. Let, that's not I, it's 21, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Hear that again, let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. What does it say? Guard, what? Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. How do you guard your heart? Verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else. How do you guard your heart? Verse 21 gives us the answer, don't lose sight of my word. Let it penetrate deep into your heart. James chapter 1 in verse 18, he says it this way He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word, and we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. James is telling us here in verse 18, listen, Romans chapter 10, it tells us this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that faith comes from what? Hearing the word. Right? So you came to life, faith was birthed in your life when you heard the proclamation that Jesus conquered death. When you heard the proclamation that Jesus rose from the dead and the truth of that is, is that now because he has risen from the dead that you are made right with God. When that hit your ears and it pierced your heart and you accepted that as truth, you were born, you were made new, you were given a new life. And that is the source of life that you should hold on to. You should allow that word to constantly be poured over you, it should be the truth that you hold on to, it should be the only thing that you hear spoken to you. In verse 18, what does he say? You are my prized possession. You should walk around and hear that, hey, I love you. You're my prized possession. You're my favorite. I love Celeste sometimes when she's up here leading worship, and she starts praying. she just over here, just in front of everybody on the stage, she's up here praying, and then she's just like, thank you, Jesus, that I'm your favorite. She's up here on the stage, right? And she's just like, and I'm just like, I love that. And that's the way it should be with my kids. I talk to my kids and my family. I've shared this before all the time with my kids. Like me, Michelle, we say it to each other. We say it to Braden. We say it to Ryland. And all of us accept it as truth, even though it can't be absolute true for all of us. We say this You're my favorite. All the time. We say it to each other, like in front of the other three. You're my favorite. You're my favorite. Right? It's a sense that God is focused on you. He sees you. He's for you. He loves you. He believes in you. He has hopes for you. And he has dreams for you. He has a desire for you. He looks at you with delight. He sings over you. He's lavished his love over you through Jesus Christ. And he looks at you and he says, you're my favorite. You're my prized possession. And that should ring true in our hearts. And it should be the only thing that is constantly bombarding our souls. That I'm his child that I'm his son, that I'm his daughter, not me, you, that I am his son, that he loves me, that I'm his prized possession, that I'm his favorite. It should be the thing that is constantly there. That is how I guard my heart. It is how I keep myself safe. If, if, if something else becomes what I'm hearing, then I become misled. I become misled. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 24 it says avoid all perverse talk stay away from corrupt speech listen you guard your heart by allowing the truth of God's word penetrate deep into your heart so no matter where you are and what you're going through you hear your mind you hear your good you hear I got you. You hear, you're free. You hear, you're strong. You hear, there's victory. You hear, there's hope. You see the reason for joy because I'm his child. I'm his child. I'm his child. You let that penetrate deep in your heart. But allowing your heart to get corrupted, allowing yourself to get misled, you know how it happens? You know how it happens? Through your speech. Through your speech. There's something that you hear spoken over you. And at some point, you begin to believe it. And you know how I know that you believe it and how I believe those things? Because we speak them. You know what believing is? Believing is confessing. We begin to speak things. So in a moment, we're sitting there and we're looking at our lives and what we see is failure and disappointment instead of listening to God's word and him speaking to us and saying, it's okay, I got you, I'm right here, I'm present, we're gonna work through this thing, we're gonna learn through this thing, don't worry, just trust me, I'm doing something beyond beyond what you can imagine. Instead of hearing that, what we begin to hear is, is I failed, I'm a disappointment, I'm a discouragement, what am I doing and what are we doing? We're getting pulled away from the truth of his word. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves out here and what happens? Sin begins to grow. And what does sin do? Gives birth to death. But what does his word do? His word that has been spoken once and for all that Jesus saves it birth life and we get to a place where we allow our speech we allow our words to be something that defines who we are and what we're doing James chapter 3 I don't have this on the slide Zach so don't stress out James chapter 3 verse 2 it says this indeed we all make many mistakes don't you love that I love that it's one of my favorite passages in scripture in fact I'm going to go and circle that tonight we all make mistakes God's okay with you making mistakes Isn't that awesome? So good. Not even in my notes. You're welcome. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Listen to this. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself." This is why I believe in James chapter one, verse 19, just go over just a little bit. I don't have this on the slide either, Zach, so it's okay. But James chapter one, verse 19, it says, be quick to listen, be quick to listen. See, oftentimes we are quick to speak and slow to listen, but it says, be quick to listen. Listen to what? The gospel. Listen to what? You're my prized possession. Listen to what? You're my favorite. Listen to what? You're my child. Everything is great. You're gonna make mistakes, but I'm telling you, I'm there. Everything's gonna work out. You are good because Jesus is yours and because he's yours, your mind be okay. Be quick to listen where you are and what you're going through. Be quick to listen to the truth of God's word and what is being said in that moment because listen, What you believe about yourself, what you believe about yourself, is gonna be what you speak. So tonight, think about the things that you say the most about yourself. The things that you say the most often are the things that you believe about yourself. The things that you say about your situations are the things that you believe about your situations. And if you're speaking over yourself doubt, if you're speaking over yourself anger, insecurity, that you're unlovable, if you're speaking those things, they are contrary to the gospel. If you're allowing those things being spoken to you, they are contrary to the gospel. And if you allow them to be the voice of your life, they are going to mislead you and pull you away. And you're going to find yourself in the same place that you find yourself all the time. And you're wondering, how in the world am I here? What is happening now? Because the same words that have always been spoken are still being spoken. And they are the thing that is guiding your life. What you believe you are is revealed by what you say. Luke chapter 6, I do have this up on there, Luke chapter 6, verse 43, it says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Next slide, it says this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. We hear this verse sometimes and we're just like, man, evil and all this different stuff. I'm not evil. Listen, anything that speaks against the gospel, anything that speaks against the truth that Jesus saves and that he's able to save, that he's willing to save and that he has saved you. Anything that says that the cross cannot accomplish what the word of God says, anything that speaks against the gospel, it is evil. And if the things that you're saying and if the things that you are speaking over your life are things that cause you to focus on your life and focus on your failures and focus on all of the things that are working against you and focus on all the things that people are doing, if that's what you're focused on, I'm just telling you, what is going to happen is is you're going to find yourself misled. And all of a sudden, at some point, it's going to get worse because you're speaking words that are birthing death. That's what happens in our lives. It's how we get to where we are. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Why should we be slow to speak? Because in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, it says this. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. You find yourself in a situation where things aren't quite right. What do you start doing? (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. Right? When my kids, they make a mistake. You know, somebody spills a giant cup of chocolate milk. They come running in, not like, hey, this happened. I know that you love me, I know that we're going to clean it up, and I know that there's going to be a tomorrow. They come in, I don't know if there's going to be a next five minutes, and I don't know what's going to happen, and they come in, right, and they're just like, "I ah, it wasn't me, it was them, you know, even like nobody else was in the room. They start doing all this different stuff or whatever else. When you get into this place, all of a sudden you begin to speak things, you begin to talk about stuff, because you're not... Willing to stop and listen. You're not willing to stop and pay attention. What is it that God is speaking right now? What is it that God is wanting to do right now? And we begin to just get into this place where we start speaking and we start just talking and saying things that we don't even need to say. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be slow to speak because, listen, no matter where you are and what you're going through, God can speak to you exactly where you are. And maybe you're in a place and you're saying, I don't know how I got here. And you feel like you've been in that place for a long time. And you're saying, there's more. I know there's more. But the words that are coming out of your mouth are more focused on what didn't happen and what should have happened. And all of that, you begin to speak in a way that gives life to something that is going to mislead you. Instead, stop and listen. Maybe he says to you, hey, you made some mistakes. Hey, some things went differently than you planned for them. You got in the way, guess what? I'm still God, there's still a purpose and there's still work for you to do. Let's do this thing, you're mine. Be quick to listen to his truth and be quick to listen to his word. I'm absolutely convinced, as I said earlier, I believe the church is God's plan. A, I believe it's his plan to declare the gospel to the world through the church. And I believe that the church should be doing more than we are doing. I believe the church is doing great things. There's global things happening that have never happened before. God is moving in a powerful way, but I'm just telling you right now, City Life Williamsburg, we could be doing more. There's more that God could be doing. And it takes us to say, I want to find my purpose, and I want to step into it. And I want to believe and be convinced. I'm going to let it sink down deep into my heart that I'm his child. There's something that he wants me to do. And that even where I am right now, that is the place that he wants to do something in my life. That is the place that he wants to do something in my life that I can never see before. But we've got to get over ourselves, and we've got to get out of the way because I'm convinced the church doesn't have a faith problem. It's easy for us. We can say, yeah, I believe that God can do these things. We don't have a faith problem. The church has a speech problem, and too oftentimes we're willing to speak quickly and speak words that birth death instead of speaking the word of God that births life. We've got to, in our situations, no matter how desperate it is, he is God, he is Lord, and he is control. No matter how great it is and how wonderful it is and thrilling it is, he is God, he is faithful, and he is in control. He is God, he is faithful, and He's in control. I'm his child. He is good. That is a life that we should be speaking. But too many times we're in a place where we're talking instead of listening. What I want to encourage you tonight is to be in a place where you are listening. Cam and the worship team can go ahead. You can come up. So what happens is, is when we are quick, when we're quick to speak, instead of slow to speak. When we're slow to listen, instead of being slow to speak. In those moments, what happens in our lives is, is we set into motion. We've allowed our words to give birth to an idea that sets into motion ourselves being taken off course. And you know the pattern, right? You know the pattern. You get a little bit discouraged at first, a little bit beat up at first. And then all of a sudden, it's not just discouraged. You're really bothered. You're just talking about it all the time. You're talking about how bad it is. You're talking about how negative it is. You're talking about how frustrating you are. You're talking about how it should be better, right? And all of a sudden, you're just like little chihuahua, right, getting all worked up, you know, and it's like, and then before long, what happens? You're just angry, right? right? This has got to change, and you're angry. You feel like it's justified anger. It's righteous anger. This has got to change, and you're just angry. And all of a sudden, instead of seeing God's work, instead of seeing his grace, instead of seeing his life, what you begin to see is a body count. to see separation, You begin to see isolation, things begin to die. I remember very distinctly, I remember very distinctly our first Valentine's Day, Michelle and I's first Valentine's Day. I worked super hard, my best friend was in a photography class and I got him to convince Michelle that he had this project that he had to do. And so he was taking pictures of her and all this different stuff. And he had this picture of her up in a tree and she just thought it was for the class. And I printed it out and I put it in a huge frame. I made this dinner, chicken Parmesan, it was one of my favorite things to make. She hates it and I don't make it anymore. It breaks my heart. But I made this dinner, all these elaborate things, I had it set out, I had the perfect blanket, I had this picture, I had all this different stuff, I had candles. We lived in Lakeland and we were gonna drive about 35 minutes, 40 minutes to go to Clearwater, which is in Tampa. We're gonna go on the beach because Michelle loves the beach, she loves sunsets. And so, it's our first Valentine's. We're gonna get in the car and we're gonna go out there and and my whole plan, I was gonna let her walk the beach and see the sunset. And I was gonna, while she was walking the beach, I was gonna surprise her and set up this blanket and this elaborate dinner and we'd sit there and and it was gonna just be awesome. and It was gonna be romantic. But you know what happened? We got stuck in traffic for freaking ever. (laughs) And I'm sitting there on I-4 watching the sunset on I-4 when my beautiful girlfriend's supposed to be walking the beach. And I went livid. (laughs) Like I almost ruined our relationship because I just went from like nothing to just hot, right? Like I was just mad. And she's like, what in the world? She's like, I'm going to get out of the car and walk home. I don't even know if I want to be with this guy. For some reason she stuck around and that's why I love her. She is strong. So we finally got there and things worked out. I don't know what my deal is, but I hate traffic. Like, I literally hate traffic. The first message I preached here, I talked about the traffic for 20 minutes in my first sermon. What is wrong with me? I hate traffic. It brings out the worst in me. I Man, God has been working in me over the past 14 years. One of the things I've realized is, is that I'm a super driven person. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if I'm going to the store to get butter. When I get in the car, I'm racing somebody and I'm going to win. There's going to be a victory and I'm going to be the winner. Somebody pulls out of the neighborhood at the same place as me, same time as me, I'm going to beat them. I'm going to pass them at some point. I'm going to get there before them. If they turn off before, I won. It's awesome. And then whoever's in front of me, I'm racing them now. I'm a driven person, I'm just competitive. But here's the thing, for a long time, one of the loudest voices in my life was, you're a failure, you're not good enough. You can try as hard as you want to, but you'll never get what you want. That was the voice always in my head. It's not bad that I'm driven, it's not bad that I'm competitive but it wasn't centered in the gospel it wasn't centered in who god is my purpose wasn't being derived from the truth of who jesus is and who he's made me to be so i just go haywire just go haywire it's crazy he's been working on me thursday i was coming home from the office you guys are like where the heck is he going with this thursday i was coming home from the office Coming up 64, which is just an atrocity. Somebody should be fired for it, but we're going down 64. And I get off of J. Clyde and get on 64 from J. Clyde. And as I'm getting off of J. Clyde, traffic is already backed off for the Jefferson exit, right? So you're talking past Victory, all the way to J. Clyde, all the way to Jefferson exit, always backed up. So I'm like, 143 is not an option. So I'm like, I gotta stay on 64. 60 is never an option for me. So I'm like, I'm gonna stay on 64. So I finally get up to Jefferson and it's standstill. I pull up ways the Waze app. If you don't have it, it's awesome. Life-changing. So I pull up the Waze app and it says you will be sitting in traffic for 42 minutes. You'll be home in an hour and a half. I was like, whoa! (laughs) But you know what was so awesome? As I've been meditating on this word, God's been working on me for so long. I was sitting in standstill traffic thinking of that day of Valentine's and the man that I used to be I was sitting in that moment God's word was so rich I literally stopped maybe it sounds weird to you but I don't care I literally just stopped and I said hey I'm a child of God and I got a moment to hang out with my dad I said God what do you want to do he said let's talk so i'm sitting there on 64. i open up my bible and i just start reading just start reading I'm allowing god to speak to me man i was a mess i turned on worship so i'm worshiping i get livid at that intersection because i know it's just the merging that just it's not hard and there's always this cop that sits right there and he makes it even worse because he makes everybody just Duh. I'm usually just like, ah, and I'm just pointing out and I'm yelling, I'm telling everybody how to be a better driver and you know, all this different stuff and my family's hanging their heads in shame but in that moment, I was worshiping because I spoke and I said, I'm a child of God and that changed the situation. I spoke life. I declared the truth of his word into my life and he changed the situation. He set me right and it was a moment that I had with God that I'll never forget finally started to merge and traffic just freed up and I didn't think huh dude I just kept going saw the cop sitting there I just looked at the cop I waved and I worshiped and just kept going I didn't get worked up when traffic became a standstill I could have spoken words that misled me and allowed me to get to a place where death became the thing that was driving me, but instead it was life because I spoke the truth of God's word. I'm his son, and he wants to hang out with me. He wants to hang out with me. So tonight, I know Ken's been playing for a long time right now, thank you. It's your last night, I'm trying to get our money out of you. Whatever that means. Last slide, Zach. James chapter 1, verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. How do you throw off the evil that misleads? How do you throw off the things that misdirect you? How do you throw off the things that are tearing you down? How do you throw off the things that are causing isolation, pain, and suffering in your life? How do you get rid of the things that are breathing death into your life? You allow the word of God to be planted in your hearts and seek deep, deep down into your heart. It saves your soul. I'm gonna take a few more minutes because I have the microphone. And I know you're all right with it. We're going to sing this song in a second, just thanking Jesus for all that he's done and for who he is. But here's what we're going to do. Before we do that, I'm going to saturate you with God's word tonight. You ready for this? John chapter three, verse 15 so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Flip over a page. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You already have life, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up the last day. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Going on, I'm gonna flip over here to Acts. Acts, it says this, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord your God. God. Flipping over to Romans. This is going to be good. You guys ready? You still with me? Romans. Romans, for everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus, continue on, just flipping. I'm just going to go through... Where are we gonna go next? Where are we gonna go next? Where are we gonna land? Colossians. Oh, this is so good. Ready for this Colossians. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and stand before him without a single fault. This is the gospel. He canceled the record for the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. Are you hearing the word of God? Is it sinking into your hearts tonight? For God, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other, build each other up, just as you are already doing so. Come on, a little bit more, Second Timothy, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from the before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death. Come on, somebody get excited about that. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the Good news! Come on, celebrate. Stand to your feet with me. I want one more. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're gonna sing. Hear this: He personally carried First Peter. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Come on, that is the gospel. That is the word. A child of God. You've been made right by Jesus Christ and His death on the cross.